Hey guys, it's Robert Gardner with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I'm very excited to have on the show today, Bill Foster. I had a lovely chat with this gentleman, uh, a true Texan, uh, just across the board. It was a lovely, lovely discussion. Um, I'm really excited to introduce Bill and continue to talk about... Ooh, networking, business, uh, film development, all of your uh, expertise there, Bill. Uh, thank you so much for your time. And can you introduce yourself? Tell us your name. And uh, also, if you're using social media or where you'd like them to follow you, if you have a website. You bet. Uh, Bill Foster. I'm from downtown Duster, Texas. Uh, when we were fixing to move to Stephenville, so when me and my wife moved from Duster, the population will be cut in half. So that tells you <laughs> exactly how small Duster is. But, uh, you know, I spent 33 years in education and retired and got into the different things that we're going to talk about today but yes i'm on facebook under bill foster and there's also one under my movie called uh, showdown on the brazos website there and then also i've got your six as another uh, facebook site and also you can see my youtube uh, channel and it's just google showdown on the brazos on youtube and you can see their our trailer there it's had over fourteen thousand views Nice. So I was excited when he had 300. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and you look on Facebook and you say, well, he's lying because it only says 3,000 or whatever. No, we had like 12,000 on Facebook first, and then we, yeah. we switched over to, to YouTube. And so uh, it's been an amazing process. Cool. So uh, you talked about education. That was mm-hmm. what you were involved in for years. How did you get involved in film and the stuff you're doing now? I've always loved it, and when I'd buy a, a VHS and a DVD, for, I, before I ever watched the movie, I'd go to the very ending and, and watch the uh, outtakes or watch how it was made, just love the creativity of it, and uh, one time in second or third grade, the teacher went around the room asking everybody what they want to do when they grew up, and I was going to say, I want to be a movie star. Well, the girl next to me said that, and everybody laughed at her, so I said, I don't want everybody laughing at me, so I made up something real quick on the spot, so, you know, impromptu, I guess, but uh, I always had that in the back of my mind and just loved movies, and then... Uh, Really, after retired in January of 16 from education, I saw on Facebook a casting call, a couple of them, and actually went to them. And, and I thought, if I got real lucky, I might be an extra walking down the street. And lo and behold, I got uh, selected to be a recurring feature on The Sun with Pierce Brosnan. Nice. And then it just it just kept snowballing from there. And uh, so I've, I've done a lot of extra work. I've done a few lines in it. And then, uh, you know, the independence to get a bigger role in those. But I uh, tried to learn something about all of them, and then I've always been a writer, and I thought, I might try to put a movie together, just a little one, and the little one turned into a great one, so, as so many times they do. So, you started with, like, small little side mm-hmm. roles, yes. and then the point at which you're doing, uh, what is it on the Brazos? What Showdown. Showdown on the Brazos. Mm-hmm. How did you, did you write the script for that? Yes. Okay. Wrote the script, started out 33 pages, now it's 100. Ten, I think, when I finally said, I'm done, I'm not adding anymore, I'm not changing anything. You know, how many times during this filming process I'd wake up at two in the morning, my laptop in my lap, you know, all this gibberish on the screen where I fell asleep holding my hand on the keyboard or whatever. But, uh, yes, I wrote it, wrote it, directed it, producing it, and starring in it, which... I, if there's anything else, I guess I could do that too. I don't know. But <laughs> next one, I don't want to do all of that. But, uh, yeah, you know, a lot of it uh, on some shows, all the way from the great big ones, 200 and something million dollar Alita Battle Angel, down to the no budget ones, which is called micro budget when there's actually no budget. Uh, I would say, man, if I ever do my own, I'm not doing this. I'm, I'm going to do it more expeditiously or I'm going to do it different. And then one day I just like, went, I had two or three people say, Make your movie. Make your movie. And I finally said, okay, I'm going to start working on it. And that's how it kind of burst into what it is now. It's so amazing. Yeah. Um, so the trailer that's on YouTube, mm-hmm. is the film finished at this point? No. Well, it's finished filming. Finished filming. We're in post-production. Okay. And we may have to go get some pickup shots once we get it done. If there's something we just didn't capture and it tells the story better, we'll go back there and, and reshoot that. But basically, it, it's it's shot. You could say 99.9% of it's filmed. And we're in post-production. And we're probably 95 through percent through with the rough cut and what the rough cut is is you've now you've taken all your clips that you like and start meshing them together and making sure it tells a story and you know some of it we move around you know i may have written it in one two three four order but on the film it looks better one four 
three-two order, yeah. and so we've done a lot of that, trying to make sure it it flows well and tells the story. And if it doesn't tell the story, grab people's attention at the beginning, they're going to change channels. Yeah. And I was watching what we had done the other night, and the at my editor said, "Well, how's it look?" And I looked down, and it'd been thirty-two minutes. I didn't even realize we'd already got started. So you know that's how fast it can go sometimes, and so that's the way you want it. You want people to say, "Oh, man, hour and a half! I can't believe it's already passed." And, the movie's over. Yeah, you know, so we're. It looks like it's going to be pushing two hour long movie, and so. Ooh, I've had discussions with people recently about film, and I don't have any experience in actual film. I just started video production with a flip cam, mm-hmm. and then social media production, YouTube. When editing and post production is done well, people don't even notice it. Exactly. It's it's so seamless. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, it's a very distinct art because I feel like. You write the script, you make all this raw footage, mm-hmm. and then the people who are doing the editing and post-production are really what craft. Yes. Yeah. And we've had a lot of discussion this last weekend. Do we blend it into the next scene, or do, do we have that cold cut? And, you know, it, the cold cut's like, oh, a new scene. You know, some of it you want to just kind of flow into that next scene, not even realize you went from one part of Texas to the other. Some of it with a great change you know maybe there's more action or something you want to kind of shock you know you know you're watching and all of a sudden oh we're we're doing something different you know it's it's very abrupt cut and so we really discussed that had a couple of really good discussions on i like this way no i like this way i like you know we just kept playing with it back and forth till we got it where we liked it so you know and 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 how much black in between sometimes you know like you know put a black area on the screen to show process of time you know how we don't want to overuse that we use it a couple of times but not too much and so you know how much subscript do we use you know telling telling the story like um, it starts out down to bottom subscript texas frontier 1880 and so that kind of sets the stage well then we jump in time so we need to let everybody know how we jumped in time so we put a little subscript 1887 and so it kind of tells that story along the way yeah so what's been the process um i'm interested as someone who deals with and i'll say film but essentially video production in some form because mm-hmm. of my business needs um i wrote uh say uh workbooks and then dvds that were like instructional manuals mm-hmm. these are the first time i'd ever written anything what's the difference between what's in your mind what winds up on paper and what actually winds up in the film what has that process been like are there things that you're like oh they got it it's even better than mm-hmm. what i wrote like what is that process like for you i've had a lot of a lot more of those luckily that oh man it looks better than i ever pictured and a lot of it has been a changing form you know like you said you wrote it and you pictured it but it looks better doing this other way or you fit it to the the actors you know they don't look like i wrote it so i'm gonna change it just a little bit make them meaner or softer or whatever and some characters didn't work out so you had to change that to where they don't have as big a role as once you thought they would because whether it's the skill or the camera or whatever it just didn't play out right but uh yeah it's just amazing to watch your work come to life in fact i wrote a play called wind is home and it's about that back during the vietnam war era and they just performed it in brownwood here a while back at the lyric theater and i told them i said i don't want have anything to do with it i just want to walk in and watch it now we did do some interviews because they wanted my feelings on how do you want this person portrayed the feelings that you know is it hard soft you know type feeling uh, emotions but then they took it and ran and it was so great to sit back and watch it and it came out perfect and, and you know sometimes you know they they do change it and, you know it doesn't uh the director may not like the way it was written so they changed that but me being the director I got to kind of have that influence and I really think I, I love acting but I think I like the director side better because to me it's more creative creative mm-hmm. because I wrote it and you in being a teacher you try to get you try to pull everything out of those actors that you can and so and we were on a tight tight budget and a tight time frame because you know if you if you don't get it shot there it's time it's another three hundred dollars and so you know you're cramming that and that's all i really regret we have is i would have liked to take it longer on some of those scenes but we were able to get so much out of so many people great actors uh, the very end of the movie is awesome and so uh, i think it's got a really neat Two endings. I'll, I'll go ahead and throw it out there. It's got two endings. Uh, you can see both of them. It's not one of these, oh, I'll sit here or I get to pick. But no, it, it's, uh, 
I, I, I'm just super pleased with it. Like he, every time my editor will send me a clip and I'll send it back because he knows it. When I send it back, the answer, he knows it. I got it right because all I say is the Academy Award goes to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, okay, I guess I got that one right. I didn't have this long list of instructions, change this, 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 this. Yeah. And so, you know, that's a goal. I mean, you got to have goals, you know. Yeah. yeah, the chance of us winning the Academy or being nominated – Million to one, yeah. But you got to have that goal of, yeah. You know, hopefully, we can just do something that good. Got to a point where um, I was painfully aware of my own limitations, mm-hmm. um, the stuff that I didn't know, and I just knew that when I started making materials for the first time, that I didn't have a lot to fall back on except mm-hmm. my own experience. And I just said, "Listen, you know, is it better than seventy-five percent of the time massage materials that are out there?" Yes. It's like, okay, so just teach it mm-hmm. and just get started and just make it a little better each time. Make it improved a little bit each time. You're going to learn about the process, learn how to refine mm-hmm. it, learn how to – like I had an editor. My grammar's uh, very poor. Uh, I went to public Same school here. in Louisiana. I don't mean to offend people from Louisiana, but um, I can write. I just don't have a real good knack for semicolons and colons uh, and yeah. commas. And, you know. So being in a position where I didn't micromanage and you just put it out, and then refine it, mm-hmm. and then go. It's good enough. It's good. Enough. It got ninety percent of what, what I needed, and then you make another one and just keep moving. People have often asked me how I became comfortable on camera, and I often tell them, especially massage therapists, when they're asking me about business and social media production, they're like, "You just seem so comfortable on camera." And I was like, "Here's here's how I did it. I was more." The shot I want versus I really, you know, Cameron and I guy worked really well together. He's only 22 and I'm 57, so it, it's amazing that we could communicate. But we finished each other's sentences, and but you know, I'd say, Can we do this? Well, no, because the son or, or whatever. I said, Okay, well, show me a good one and we'll go with that. And so, you got to be able to listen to your people that's around you until you learn. You know, I've been around some that didn't know and wouldn't listen, and it was just a not a good feeling on set you yeah. know the the product would turn out okay but you're just like how much better it could have done we, we just wasted 30 minutes while y'all argued over this the way i want it done no hold barred you know and so you got to be a little a lot of a lot of flexible to me and uh, flexibility how do you deal with the concept of like micromanagement because you worked in schools, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm looking at you going, okay, you worked in schools, superintendent, principal, you've got to organize, manage, communicate with people. I'm like, of course he's in film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was more than one time I would make an announcement, there is one director on set. <laughs> but that's after we'd, you know, I'd say, oh, y'all got to get quiet, get quiet. And then I'd say, guys, there's one director on set. And I always had, as a school person, you know, and all that, you, you have your line you know, let's not cross this line. We'll work with everything in front of that line. And when you do cross the line, we'll politely, I always tried to, you know, with dignity, don't try to ever put anybody down or anything like that. But just would try to remind them, you know, we all have great ideas out here on set, but there's, it's my, my time, my script, my money. Let's do it my way. And then we'd, you know, that's all, that's all really the only problem as far as micromanage we ever got into. You know, now there's always, you set the people up, you go do something else and come back and they're gone. <laughs> you're like, where'd y'all go? Oh, I need a cup of coffee. Mm. <laughs> well, now you're resetting, and so that just costs you 30 minutes. And, yeah. and and people that's not in film a lot don't understand that that time is money, and really in the movie industry, time is money. Yeah. Because every, all day long, if you're renting a set for $300 a day, if you don't get what you shot, like I said, you got to come back another day, that's another $300. Yeah. Uh, or if it's just the... Uh, it takes bringing the crew back. Even if you get the set free, you got to bring your crew back. You got to get the actors back there because you didn't get the shots that you wanted because you were gone getting that cup of coffee. And so that's really hard to 
to get those. But we had amazing volunteers that helped out in every aspect. Uh, got we tapped into the recre- recreators, reenactors, and so they already had a lot of the costumes. And then the, the, one of the ladies on our movie poster, she did an amazing job. Blade West did an amazing job with the uh, ladies' costumes. Now we we did have a a few. Uh, 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 I'm not going to say disagreements, but we did <laughs> did have a few uh, discussions. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> I said not everybody. You know, she was she was dressing everybody in these grand dresses and everything, and I was saying, well, some of them need to be poor people. Yeah. You know, just the prairie dress. But she wanted to put every, and that's that's the that's my you know talking about vision. That was my vision versus her vision, and we were able to meet in the middle of that, and so. So it gives it a, a to me a three D look. You know, you've got your your well dressed and your and your more poverty looking dressed in the same town. So it gives it that three dimensional type of look to it. Yeah. And so uh, and you know, there's always those cues. People have to hit a certain mark, and you learn all that as as an extra. I did, and and so when I got behind the camera, you know, if they're not in the lens, sometimes you have to stop. And say you got to. Stop and hit the same pot, and and I didn't did a deal. I carried a deck of cards with me, and I would put a card down where they're supposed to be, and so people would be bring them back. I didn't care if I got my cards back or not. But they'd be back. Here you drop this. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it needs to stay there, mm-hmm. so that person knows where to go to. And then you you know then on top of that we had guns, so you had to have gun safety. Yeah. And so what we did was took a whole different deck of cards that nobody else had, and uh, as you were inspected, your guns inspected, made sure there's unloaded, no live ammo was allowed on set, but you. Know, you you had your blanks but you didn't want blanks in your gun either we would give you a card and so that way i could walk up to you and say let me see your card i can't find it well go get your gun inspected again yeah. and so it didn't take but one time of that and everybody here's that card you know because they didn't want to get their gun reinspected. yeah so you know you got that safety issue there also so and uh luckily i was the only one hurt on set nobody else got hurt uh, my horse slipped and fell and broke my leg one day Ooh, uh, I, and that was like at 11 o'clock on saturday you talk about time frame I finished the day out with a broke leg, acting and directing. Twelve hours the next day on Sunday, acting and directing, running on it, and then uh, had a surgery on Wednesday and put a plate in. Ooh. So, <laughs> was it your femur? Yeah, uh, yeah. no uh, fibula. Fibula. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The horse just slipped and fell, and and it was away from everybody. Only one person saw it. He helped me get back up on the horse, and I rode right back in like nothing ever happened. Yeah. And now we look at the clips, and I was telling my editor, I said, "See that right there." I was nearly throwing up at that point. <laughs> I was hurting so bad. You <laughs> suffered for your art. That's right. I, I took break a leg, literally. <laughs> but, you know, you, and then I went back and got more insurance. You know, they didn't yeah. tell me I had to have insurance when I started this. And all of a sudden, uh, you've got to have a million-something insur- dollars insurance. Well, you go get that. Yeah. Now we've got that. Now, oh, you got to have li- uh, lawyers. Now I've got a team of lawyers. And so uh, it's just those things they don't tell you about. <laughs> oh man! You know, yeah. I didn't go to film school, so I didn't oh, know. No, 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 yeah. And uh, so uh, it's been a learning process. But you know, the next movie is going to be even bigger and, and a bigger budget because uh, this movie, once it's released, it'll bring in investors for the next movie. And so, like I told you off there a while ago, I wanted to show people I would invest in my own movie, and if it's willing enough for me to invest, then it's w- maybe they'd be willing more to invest too. Because yeah. if I'm not willing to invest in my own product, why should you? Sure. And so that's kind of the theory I took on the first one. Second one, look what I can do. Here's what I can do with more money. Yeah. So uh, showdown on the Brazos. Mm-hmm. When is the release date? We hope in the summer sometime. We're fixing to send it to uh, distribution. We've got four different companies that want to see it. Um, and so, and all they want to see is the rough cut. They don't care about the foley and all that kind of stuff in it. And if people that's listening, foley is like your bird sounds. You're walking across the grass, the grass crunching, that kind of sounds. They don't, want it, they don't worry about that right now. They just want to see the movie. And so as soon as we get it, what they call picture lock, in other words, we get it locked, said so this is it. No more changes except for audio and stuff. We'll send it to them. They'll start looking, and then that's when they'll come back with offers. And uh, we're looking mostly on uh, mainly streaming, mm-hmm. different companies of streaming. Every distribution company has different connections. You know, some may have Netflix. Some may have different ones. Some have international uh, dealings, and so we'll look at all that and see which one can come up with the most uh, incentive. Sure. <laughs> incentive. I like you we phrase that. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're all in it to, make, to have fun but make sure. money. Sure. And, uh, you know, and, and the, uh, well, you know, the Cohen brothers, mm-hmm. you know, I got to work with them on uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yeah. Learned a lot from them. If been me and my brother directed a movie, we'd have three fist fights that day. Yeah. <laughs> Those two brothers worked great together. 
but but you know they they did their movie just for Netflix. And, you know, and it got nominated for some awards and won some awards, and so uh, that shows that that is a definite avenue to go down yeah. because the big screen is. I hate to say it, but it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah, the distribution, that's one of the things that's come up regularly when I talk to people in and around Hollywood or the film industry is I'm coming at it from a completely different background as a massage Mm -hmm. therapist, not involved in film and kind of go towards almost like a media company trying to build distribution for what Mm -hmm. I'm doing. But digital distribution of information products and then film has completely changed uh, the nature of the beast. I don't know what's going to happen between Hulu, Netflix, Disney Plus, um, Amazon. Like they're all fighting now, Mm -hmm. whereas uh, Netflix had predominance for quite a long time. I don't really know what happens to independent filmmakers. I feel like there's less barrier of entry. You can certainly, you know, make a, a movie with an iPhone if you need to. And then in addition, it's like the audience um, dealing with like movie theaters, for instance. Mm-hmm. The technology in your home is so good compared to what it was in 1965 that, you know, I mean, you showed me a clip. It was on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really know what happens, let's say, 20 years from now. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's amazing. And, you know, like DVDs. You know, do you put it out on DVD market versus yep. just streaming? I have the same problem with yep. my materials. People still want DVDs, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, we have a digital copy, and they're like, well, you know, I like having the the DVD. Yeah. And I'm like, it's a piece of plastic. Yeah. <laughs> when was the last time? I, I, it's been a long time since I bought some DVDs. In fact, well, I bought some last summer because I was stuck in my camper for three days waiting on the film set. So I said, I got to go have some entertainment. There's no TV here. I got to go find something. Went down to the local store and bought three or four. Chunked most of them. Started them, you know, 10 minutes in. Nope, no good. Yeah. But uh, no matter if it's shot on iPhone or the most expensive camera, it's still got to be good. You know, that's the key. Uh, be good and there is competition between the different networks there and uh, so you know it's still a product that's got to entertain the people and I wrote this in the old John Wayne Jimmy Stewart fashion Uh, there's not any uh, vulgarity or or sex scenes or anything like that Uh, so that way my grandkids are actually in the movie and so they can go watch the movie and not have to shut their eyes or Mm -hmm. shut their ears and so I wanted when I my I had two goals, but the first one was to be able to people could go on Saturday afternoon, watch the movie, and go home. And say I was I was entertained for an hour and a half, two hours. And whether that's on Netflix or Hulu or in the theater, they did that. But when we sat down to do this movie, we said there's we can do it several different ways. One, we can write the script and try to sell the script. We can, which I already had the script almost done. We could shoot a trailer and go with the script and try to sell it, and then. But I said, but then if the distribution says, okay, let me see your movie, we're sitting there, okay, we can get it to you next year. Hmm. That won't work. So I said, if we're going to do those two things, let's go ahead and shoot the movie. So when we do go to distribution, they say, where's your movie? Here it is. And that's exactly how it's worked out. I had a lot of people that thought they knew what they was talking about told me that's the worst idea in the world I ever had that's never worked. And now that I've got to meet people higher up in the industry, mm-hmm. they said that's the smartest movie ever made. Nice. And that, that made me feel really good because, you know, we're out there on a whim. Yeah. You know, and I said, okay, this is our business model. We're sitting in a restaurant with uh, a cinematographer who's 21 at the time, Josh Wilburn, me and my wife. We're sitting there, okay, and, and bounce all those questions. Why don't we do it just a trailer? Why don't we do just a script and try to get some money and all that? And I said, let's, if we're going to do a trailer and set up for, let's just do the movie. Yeah. And so that way they know what we've got. And here, now, I know they're not going to sit there and watch the whole movie probably. They don't have that much time. But they know that we can put one together. And they know that uh, it's good quality and it's entertaining. So, and they can fast forward, see, you know, do their thing. But if it's just a trailer or something, then, yeah, I'll bring it to you next year. Uh, that's, that's, they lose their interest after a while. Yeah. So, or somebody else comes in and says, I got one. I come in and say, I got mine ready, and knock, bump yours out, and they take mine. So, you know. So, you get your feet wet, so to speak, um, doing Showdown on the Brazos. When you talk about uh, later projects, were you literally in the middle of filming Showdown on the Brazos, having ideas for the next film? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I, I wonder how that creative process works for you. Yeah, and I've already got uh, one written. I uh, don't have the screenplay. I got the novel written. It's not published yet. It's called I Heard the Coil Whistle. Uh, it actually won some pre-published contest in a contest, and uh, my wife challenged me on that one. It's a western. She says you write all these. I've written, I think, four novels. I've had one published, but she says you write all these with men as heroes. I want you to write one with a woman as a hero, 
And so I did. And, uh, of course, you can't turn down a challenge from your wife. I mean, you've <laughs> got to do that. And so I wrote it. It's called I Heard the Quail Whistle. And what was funny how I came up with the title, I kept titling it, and I just never did like what my titles were. And I was entering this contest, and let's say Thursday was the deadline. Well, it's like Tuesday, and I don't have a title for it yet. And I'm just like, what am I going to do? And it's a hot summertime. I'm outside feeding the horses, and I heard a quail whistle. You know, just a bob white. And I was like, that's it. Hmm. And so I had to go back and add some to, to tie in the quail to the story. But that's the name of the book. And so that's probably going to be our next project. If not, I've got two other ideas. One is my Windows Home play. I've had some people wanting to turn in talking to me about turning into a movie uh that would take a little bit of just changing making it a little bit longer more detailed because when you write for the stage it's different than writing for the uh film industry uh not a lot different but still it's pretty close but uh take some changes and then the other one i've got two or three scenes written down so if people like it i can sit down and write that over the next couple of months yeah. and it's a more modern day type action thriller you know i like to put myself in that moment and try to uh make people hair stand up on the back of the neck. <laughs> <You know? laughs> One of the things I can say in uh, having conversation with you this afternoon is I really relish uh, reaching out into other industries and talking with people about their art or business or both. And then almost immediately as you came in, the sort of uh, Texan pride, I think, but also you just beam enthusiasm, oh, thank you. Um, excitement. One of the things I love about entrepreneurship is I'm constantly running into people who have this amazing vision for what they can create that's going to help the world, improve, make better art. Um, I don't get the same thing all the time from people who just have a job. Right. They just go in, do a nine-to-five, and there's not that there's anything wrong with that, yeah. but I really love the... To me, you're just glowing. Like you're just so excited about well, this, you. and it's amazing to you know look at it and say, for you, did you retire from the school system? Yes, sure. Yeah, did. so it's like a second career. It is. Second and the thing career. is, for a lot of people, I'm not going to ask your age. I'm 42. I get a lot of weird Pepto Bismol ads <laughs> in my social media, <laughs> yeah. but people kind of act like at 42, I'm starting to get. Well, you're old, and I'm like, hey, hold on. Yeah, you're only as old as you think you are. I'm 57, and fixed to be 58 by golly yeah. in March, but. Uh, you know, you just keep on. Tra- when I retired, I said the last thing I'm going to do is sit in a rocking yep. chair and watch TV. And that's day. it. I I can't. I don't know what I would do. It, it, when I say retire, that means I'm financially well off enough to, to devote myself to mm-hmm. other things. But do there's no things. way I couldn't have some sort of meaningful work. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, I, we've got a vineyard, started a vineyard, and so uh, Texas. You bet. And yeah. See, and we were having this conversation because uh-huh. we were like, they have grapes in Texas, <laughs> and I'm like, some varietals. You bet. <laughs> and so that was really our plan. For after we retired, that turned into our next plan, and then the movie business came along. So uh, we're kind of we're trying to balance both. Of course, you know the vineyard is not a twenty four seven, three hundred sixty five job day a year. So you know there's down times and real busy times. So I have to kind of balance that because you know I've been asked to come back for Fear of the Walking Dead, and, but uh, it was right in the middle of some, doing something great. I just don't have time. I yeah. got I got to do this first, and then. But hopefully, the days of I've moved on to where it's always going to be my projects versus somebody else's, unless you know we hire out to to produce some. But uh, you know we're looking at maybe doing some commercials. But I've got some, you know, I'm kind of doing doing everything backwards. Did a feature, now did a short called "I've Got Your Six, and now I'm starting to think of comedy clips. You know, the the five minute movie type, yeah. deal, just to have fun. But but hopefully this summer we will start in earnest with our next full movie project because I'm waiting to get this one out. Get it in distribution and then start pitching the next one. Yeah. So that way we can. I've already got my main team together and uh, we're just buying a house, one room. It's going to be a production room, kind of like right here. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that way I'll have everything laid out and we can have our production meetings in there. And when they say, Here's the funding. Let's go. I've already got it all ready to go. Yeah. We hit the ground running. What was the uh, the reference to Fear the Walking Dead? How were you involved with that project? I was, was in that? season four and five. Okay, uh, Fear the Walking Dead. Season four, I was one of the uh, the. Uh, I started to say buzzards, but we were the buzzards. <laughs> you were a buzzard. Okay, yeah, I'm... No, no. <laughs> but vulture. Vultures. The, the, okay, that was official term. Yeah, I was one of the vultures. You know, that tried to overthrow the main crew. Yeah, and uh, so I was in that season. And then after they kill me, they brought me back as a walker. Yeah, and then season five, I was a walker throughout the season. Yeah, and then uh, they were going to bring me back. Actually, as a person, I don't know what role that was, but but uh, my dad passed away during that time, so I couldn't go down. But you know, that's just kind of the way 
things going. Panic is being filmed around now. I've been called for that, but I just, you know, it's got so many other things going on. It's inside my movie. Yeah. Or, you know, I couldn't take off a weekend of editing to go down and do the work down there, or if I've got people coming in to work in the vineyard, or I've got plants coming in or something, you know, I have to balance all that out. So, yeah. uh, like I said, hopefully we're getting to the point where my next main project will be the next movie, whichever that is. And so we'll pitch it and see which what comes about. Hmm. What do you, um, if I had to say, like, if you have a long-term vision, what are you really shooting for? So you've got Showdown on the Brazos, mm-hmm. you've got ideas at least for some script written for another film. Right. What are you really, like, hoping to do? Do you have, like, specific goals you've been shooting for? Sure. I mean, you can, to me, I'm one of those goal-oriented persons that once you start, you you got to have that level to work towards it. And my long-term goal is to have one fully funded, fully, you know, $10, $20 million movie. And, and that's really, believe it or not, that's not a lot for a movie. I mean, because Lead of Battle Angel is $250 million. I don't ever expect to be able to direct one like that, but I'd love to be able to direct one, you know, $20 to $50 million range, you know, have two, three, four A-listers on there that we can really take time to get – get those scenes drawn out to where they need to be and just be not only, you know, I left the uh, education, hopefully as a well-respected educator, and then, you know, at the very end they say, well, he was a well-respected director and writer and uh, entertained people with with good movies. You know, there's a lot of trash out there, and that's not what I want to do. I want to go back to, like I said, I wrote the showdown in the old-fashioned way. That's the way I want to entertain people. Yeah. Uh, you know, now the, I heard the quail whistle has a little more violence in it. That just went with it, be rated a little bit different, but nothing filthy, nothing like that. It's just a whole different genre, different mindset. Yeah. And uh, so the other projects I've got, they're all going to be PG, you know, because, you know, like I said, I like to make the hair stand up on the back next. So we got to have a bomb go off every now and then or something yeah. like that, yeah. you know. So uh, that that would be my eventual goal is to hopefully be able to do that as, you know, six months out of the year, go in, shoot a high-budget movie, and then uh, next year come in another project. And right now, they're all the projects I've got are the ones I've written. It'd be neat to direct one I haven't written, yeah. but right now I've got all those projects in mind. You talk about what you, vision you see. I think when you write it, you have a better vision. And uh, the advice I would give any f- filmmaker future, that whether they're in junior high, high school, or college, you got an iPhone, you got friends, write you a 10-minute script. Go out in the backyard and shoot it. Yeah. You, you know, you got movie maker on your phone you can make your own little movie yep. try and see if you like it and just develop go from there uh, students because again I'm, I'm working as a massage therapist and educator I'm schooling students because I mainly teach a close on form of work they can film easily with their phone they're always asking me about cameras and software and editing and I go guys listen an Instagram story is just pressing a button to to the phone like it's it's so easy mm-hmm. and then like my my first thought i don't know you're not on tiktok are you no okay i didn't think so but tiktok has sort of like stop start within the app which allows a little bit like you can play characters oh yeah so it's kind of changing a lot of the video i see online because i'm using the social media platforms it's not overly ornate production mm-hmm. um it's that this technology has become so powerful it's in the palm of your hand if you really start small and then try to learn a little more, eventually get a camera, get some, some editing software. There's a lot you can do, but one of the things I'm most impressed with, I think when I talk with you is, because I'm not involved in film, I'm hearing this just amazing creativity between directors, producers, script writers, actors, and all this conglomeration where it's going back and forth, people are sharing ideas. I'm assuming you know, one of the sound engineers and one of the camera guys partner up and go, hey, we're going to go work on this other film, and somebody yeah. knows somebody. Exactly. That sort of cross-collaboration is another thing I think my students sometimes don't understand because they're like, no. Do you see that kid? He's 13. He knows how to use TikTok. Get him to run. That's exactly right. And network, and, you know, when we get on there as a background, whatever, first thing we do, you know, sharing Facebook, and that's where you get your actors, you know, eventually in. And uh, your camera people, and they know people, and, and you know, it just it just builds. We call it our film family. Yeah. And it, and it really is. You know, you you've got the marginal ones, but you know, you're down core that you're going to use every time. That's your film family. And you know, we we text all the time. Hey, I got a role. Congratulations. Uh, and in that core family, there's no jealousy. You know, hey, you got the part. I didn't. No problem. Man. It's great. I'm glad you got it. Thumbs up. You know. And so uh, I'm going to Arizona and. Uh, March, I get to be 
in, in not Arizona, New Mexico. It's called 30 Seconds in Hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's in alert. After he shot in the arm, so it's going to be a challenge. I got to hide my left arm. <laughs> so they asked if I'd be. I love it. I love the challenge of how we're going to do who, who's Virgil Earp? That's one of the Earp brothers. Wyatt, that's Virgil, what I thought, but I okay, didn't know which correct. one it was. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. the one. Sam Elliott played in Tombstone. Yeah, that's that's going. That's Virgil. Nice. And so he was actually the marshal of the town. Yeah. Whereas Wyatt and the other brothers were the deputies. Yeah. And so Virgil was actually the, the marshal of the town. Yeah. So, so it's going to be interesting. I hadn't seen the full script yet. Just the audition part, well written. So I can't wait to get out there and do that. So, uh, so, so interesting. Uh, because we were talking about uh, Westerns, I don't have a huge background with them mm-hmm. um, for, you know, to date myself. I was born in 1977. So um, a lot of the older era of, I think, of like early TV, black and white Westerns, you know, in its heyday, maybe even spaghetti Westerns in mm-hmm. the 60s, were you deeply influenced by it as a genre? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because you see the good ones and the bad ones. And in the 70s, there was a lot of, I mean, high, high, great, you know, actors did not make some good westerns. Yeah. You know, there were some really bad ones. Uh, the spaghetti westerns, that is a culture. And, and they really, there's, if you watch now, there's some blending, some ideas that was taken out of those yeah. westerns. Uh, but yes, you know, the, the good over evil. You know, mm-hmm. you know that part. You know the the, the uh, like my character does not want to be taken as he's a Texas Ranger who has retired because his family is slaughtered. Yeah. So he quit being a Texas Ranger, and they talk him to come back and be a Texas Ranger. He doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. I'm done. I'm through. It's over with. And then he finds out the commission is to go after the actual outlaw gang that killed his family. Yeah. So he said, "Okay, I'll come back this one time." So it's that hero that doesn't want to be the hero. Yeah. And John Wayne, Jimmy Stewart, all of those. Yep. Jimmy Stewart really played that role well of, of the hero that doesn't want to be one, that just kind of gets right in the middle of something, and he's like, you know, rides in, there's a fight. He helps the bad – I mean, the bad guy gets whipped, and he helps the low guy, and all of a sudden he's involved with the, the, the poor guy on the street, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's that kind of movie. Uh, when you take the production value that we have now and you're writing a script, um, in other words, you understand that the technology is better than it was in 1955 mm-hmm. with black and white TVs. Um, how are you like updating it? Like, what is that process for you? Because you're certainly influenced by you know mm-hmm. your heroes, so to speak. And then, how are you sort of updating that to make it look more? I mean, even though it's set in 1880, sure. how do you make it look modern? Yeah, and that's a great question because I, I progressed because I sit down and start to write screenplay. I said, what format did I use? I looked everywhere, you know. And so I, I, I looked at the uh, at no John Wayne movie, and I said, if it's good for you, John Ford, John Wayne, it's good for me. So I copied that pattern. Yeah. And when I handed out the script, he was like, oh, we can't do this. It's in the wrong format. Yeah. Like, that's all I've got, guys. Yeah. But then, halfway through, I did change over to a modern computer format, which I transferred all over, got it done. People can read it better. Plus, you can enter it in more contests, and they read because that old uh, computer images they won't see the new it's easier yeah. to read so we did that so that's one progression and two the technology today makes it where you can compete against anybody and also you know i can sit there in my chair in my living room and order uh fake dust i can order costumes i can order everything you know that i want to order where in the old days you know you had to bring in a tr- guy with a trailer and try to do all that lighting changes we shot a lot of ours uh, using natural lighting yeah we wanted to try to use as much as that as possible not because of the cost or anything but we just felt like the natural lighting was was better and so we would try to manipulate the natural lighting where we could but yeah you you got to look at today's technology brings out the clarity where the old days didn't yeah and i even shooting black or you know filming it in black and white or even producing it in black and white once we get it all done Transitioned it over to black and white or sepia, some of those others. We looked at some scenes, didn't like them, so we go back to our color. Yeah. If I really had a choice, I'd do it in old Technicolor, the old 1950s yeah. style. But uh, but that was not there right now, so we're going to color coordinate it. That's the good thing about technology, you know, because the, the shot that you got today was cloudy, tomorrow it's sunny. You got to kind of blend all that in. Yeah. And so. But, uh, yeah, those are all challenges, but that's just some of the things that's changed from the old days. And we were editing this weekend and talking about, can you imagine having to roll the tape 
and you're having to roll it with your no, finger. No, 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 no. Looking no, down no. in that that little box for hours on end and taking your scissors and cut that yeah. didn't work cut it out glue it together go back do it some more where now we can just he just pushes buttons faster than i can watch yeah you know and, and, and he moves that scene moves it over i said stretch that out about another three seconds so he'd stretch it out you know three seconds longer yeah because you know, like somebody walks out and they get a camera shot of them and it flips the next person sometimes that's too fast you know, it didn't establish that person being there, so I, I want to establish that person be there. Stretch that scene, and he'd just take his mouse or clicker and make that make it last another three seconds because we yeah. shot it longer. So he just pulled that finish line out a little bit longer. One of the things I think is interesting, you know, you're going into all these little uh, specific details about film production, post-production, editing, and how much easier it is now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's funny in 2020, and I'm, I'm just starting to get, okay, Boomer, I'm just starting to get some <laughs> critiques as being an yeah. old guy. And I keep trying to explain to people that, um, what I hear a lot from younger people specifically is they're like, it's just so hard. And I go, the technology is giving you more access oh, yeah. and it can be done more inexpensively than any time in history. I'm not saying that our species doesn't have issues, oh, the major yeah. ones we're working on, but in some ways it's actually easier to reach out than at any time. So for instance, um, we just had MLK Junior Day recently, and I always wonder, just from a social media construct of like Twitter, how would Martin Luther King Jr. have used Twitter? Oh, yeah. And it's like, guys, you have global distribution. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's like you have more channels to complain, so that's what I hear. But then I need more people who are vibrant, working on their dream, and going, oh, yeah, we can actually do this. We can change it. And the technology is making it easier to essentially manifest your vision. Yeah, and just think about all the people our age that had to learn the computer by themselves. Never, didn't learn it in school. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you, you got a computer back in the days and looked, sat down and looked at it like, what if I got on my desk at home, you know? <laughs> and now we've got laptops and every tools. And, you know, we're fixing a setup where I've got dual monitors. Yeah. And so that way, uh, I, keep, I kept telling my editor that's what I've got. So I finally got them the other day. So that way I can have my, my script on one side, their manuscript on one side, and the screenplay on the other. So I don't have to keep flipping the screens. You know, to me that's hard. You know, in the old days, you know, I'm sitting there going, I got to work hard on the computer. It's mind blogging. But, you know, you really look at it, you know, it's so much faster than it used to be. Yeah. You know, I could be looking at the book, handwriting everything. Yeah. But, you know, I get dual monitors. I'll have my manuscript on one side, my screenplay on the other, and I can sit there and look, transfer back transfer back and forth screen to screen yeah and so because you know you're going to use clips out of the you know the, the dialogue then you set the dialogue and the hard part about screenplay is it's hard to descri- you don't describe anything but through dialogue and action you know in a novel it'll take three pages to set up a pl- uh, set up a scene yeah or more and in a movie you can't have three minutes setting up a scene really so you got to set it up quick or you lose the people's attention or set it up through uh, dialogue and there's all you know. I always try to hide some things in there that they got to catch and pay attention. Like, mm-hmm. oh, oh. He, Does it give did. repeat watch appeal? Like yes. you pick up things you didn't catch the first time yeah. because it was just blazing and, past. In fact, that's what my editor, the 22 year old, said. That's I was talking about that little key I put in there. He said that's what's going to keep everybody keep coming back and watch this. Ah, oh, now yeah, now I know why he's telling that story about this story. You know, it refers back to the. But oh, oh yeah, there, here you go. And so there's going to be little things in there, like I said, that's going to, uh, and I'll tell you one off. I don't want to give them all the way. I'll tell you one off when we get through here in a little bit. But, but yeah, uh, I try to throw those. And I try to set all my stories up for a sequel or a prequel. Yeah. And so I set them all up. So that way, if we get lucky enough to, need ah, to do a sequel. interesting. You were thinking about that in advance. Yeah. The, all my books have a prequel or a sequel where I could. In fact, my showdown on the Guadalupe on Amazon.com, somebody said, I want, I want to read the prequel to see what his life was before he got to this point. Yeah. It's a good idea. I hadn't thought, but I'd always thought about sequels. And uh, so I always leave a few characters open in there to uh, carry the story When you on. talk about uh, prequels and sequels, this came up in a podcast the other day with Hilliard. Um, when it came to intellectual property and Hollywood repurposing, repackaging, reshooting from the same idea, so like Star Wars, mm-hmm. they're just going to make a million films from various characters in that universe. Um, how do you feel about you know taking completely new material and then sort of making sequels, uh, like when you see it in Hollywood, like so, some, he was kind of complaining about it. He feels like they're not they're not investing in new ideas. Right. They're not investing in new storytellers. Yeah. You know, take Jaws for example. Yeah. The first one, unbelievable. Jaws yep. fifteen, not too exciting. <laughs> you know. I- 
how many jaws were made. But yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah uh, there's a couple, but I think you've got to change the story. It can't be that same jaws, you know, sh- same shark that's coming and getting everybody. Like, uh, you know, if, if mine is the end and it's over with, happened to them the next day. Yeah. You know, what happened to them three months from there? You know, what happened? Does this mean that it's recording? Yeah. Because, you know, if, if once somebody lives through a very tragic accident or, or, or went to a war or whatever, what happens the next day? You know, we turn TV off and say, like, die hard. Yeah. You know, now I, he had several of them. I liked all of those. But, you know, after you watch the first, how does he get up the next morning? You know, <laughs> tomorrow morning he gets up and says, well, it's kind of or whatever, but you got to think about that, you know, when you're writing those. So you got to change that story up. That's what yeah. I think they did a really good job on that one, uh, changing up enough to where you keeps your interest. And you know, there at the very end, you know, he's the old guy and got that new technology and all that, bringing in the young guys. And so I think they did a good job writing on that as far as sequels goes. Yeah, I'm, as a the, the age that I'm at, um, I was a, a huge, or I became a huge Tarantino fan. So mm-hmm. when Pulp Fiction exploded is when I first became aware of Quentin Tarantino. I later went back and watched Reservoir Dogs and understood why he had been building a following. Um, then he did The Hateful Eight, more in that Western mm-hmm. kind of you know genre. It's been interesting for me to see again in 2020 that people are still making westerns they're still sort of repurposing certain genres of film in like a very different way you know in a, in a modern era it's really interesting for me to see the creativity of filmmakers and then the capacity to drop into somebody's world like you're asking about bruce willis the day after yeah. die Hard. Yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> and, and there's a big demand for westerns everybody still wants to see that western from the young person to the older person, they want to see those westerns. And, you know, we get away from, if you watch the old westerns, they were always nice, clean cut and everything. We've gone to the grit westerns, and that's what is more like real life, you know. Yeah. And uh, so everybody loves a good western, as long as it's a good western. Internationally, they're so far behind. You can't get enough westerns over in Europe and, and Asia. And, you know, I heard The Shooters was just released in Asia. You know, they think it's a new movie. It came out in the 70s. Yeah. So, you know, they're so hungry for that. And, they, you know, they think that's still going on, but they just don't have enough westerns. In the, and so, you know, let's say, worst case, let's just say a different scenario. This movie never does make it in America, but it may be a sensational hit in Europe. No, absolutely. So when you talk so, start talking about different film markets, that yeah. I I get completely lost. Yeah, I have it, no idea what's going on in India. I don't either. China, but, you know, yeah. It, you know, it could. Let's say we just put it on a streaming here, and it gets you know two or three hundred thousand views or whatever. You know, it does it's fairly successful. But then it goes to uh, Asia and has a million views. You know, you make more money over there because boy, it's a more cult hit over yeah. there somewhere, or Germany or wherever than it is in America. So you don't ever know. There's always those country the distribution. Okay, I've got a European distribution. I've got America. I've got this, that, and it, it's. I've learned a lot over the last couple of years. That's yeah. for sure. Well, as I'm uh, teaching online, this was a really weird um, construct for me because again, I do with the physical art. You have to be in my physical presence to get mm-hmm. a session. But the more I made workbooks, DVDs, you started dealing with wider distribution, and then digital. You realize like there were people from other countries contacting me who spoke broken English. Mm-hmm. And then I don't really know what happens to my business and education because there is a potential global marketplace. Um, I joke with people consistently because there are probably another 2 billion or so people who are going to come online in the next 10 years mm-hmm. uh, whenever satellites are up to give global you know, internet access. I literally talk to people and I go, listen, if somebody's in the Democratic Republic of Congo and they have access to a cell phone, they can study with me. I don't know what that does because I, mean, I don't know. Sure. I, I do, like, there could be a pocket of you know people in sub-Saharan Africa who pick up my work and are like, "Thank you so much. I'm working on my tribal, you know, my people yeah, in my made, village." Made feel better. Yeah, it's like it, it's such an interesting time to be alive, and then also the sorts of effects that say Bollywood is having on Hollywood, and then vice versa. But from a creative standpoint, you know, you're talking to a kid who got VHS tapes at the local, it wasn't even a blockbuster. It was yeah. like, this was what's available on the wall. And That's you're like, exactly right. Nah, I've already seen this one. You know, exactly and right. now there's so much available. I can't even watch it all. No, no, you can sit there for 
days of binge watching and everything like that. You know, I remember one time I had minor surgery coming up, so I went to the Blockbuster type video store. It's owned by, you know, just an older gentleman. Okay, I got five movies, you know, checked them out. He said, well, you're at your limit. I said, okay, I'll let my wife bring them back and bring me some more. And that's what I did while I was recovering, just watch those movies, you know. And now then, it's just remote control. And, yeah. and if you don't, again, if you don't catch people's interest in the first five minutes, they change channels. And so you got to grab them. And that's what we've changed the beginning of our movie several times, brainstorming a lot, just trying to catch, catch that intro and get their, tweak their interest to where, okay, let me see what happens. And uh, I'll tell you, off the air of what, what I find decided on, but, but I, I want, I'm, I'm going to get their, their uh, interest by emotions. That's what I want to get them tied into this movie. There's going to be a little shock value, but there's going to be a little, huh, what, wait, what? You know, I was feeling everything's nice and calm. What, 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 what? what? Uh, now, now they're like, okay, now i got to see how it's happening. You know, so yeah. go with that. So, like I said, I, I toured a lot of different beginnings, but it's got to grab them. So hopefully this will. So, uh, being that you have such a background um, in westerns, uh, and, and somebody who's not extremely involved in the genre, I haven't watched a ton. Um, what would you say, like, if you had to name five? Do you have like five classics, like, oh, favorites yeah. that really influenced you? Uh, the Searchers, John Wayne's never one. seen it. Number one. I'm going to go back and watch these, by the way. Oh, yeah. That's what I was asking. Both True Grits. Both True Grits. I'll John Wayne, True Grit, and the Cullen Brothers True Grit. When, they, when I heard they were remaking True Grit, I said, there's no way. Yeah. But it's you need to watch both of them to see the difference in the two. Nice. Love both of them, but they're night and day. Nice. Because I, I haven't seen the Cullen Brothers version either. Yeah, you know, you're not going to say, well, that was John Wayne's part. You can't read it. No. <laughs> Everything is different. So different. Shot so differently. Yes, the story's... Basically the same, but you got to see both of them. Uh, Tombstone. Tombstone is a, an amazing movie. And then, of course, the one number, I don't know if it's number one overall, but Lonesome Dove. Lonesome Dove, and I have seen it. It's six hours long. It's a TV series. Wow. But Robert New Wall's wife has not even seen it yet. I got to visit him one time. She said, it's too long. I'm not watching it. <laughs> <laughs> Most of us in Texas had it memorized. <laughs> From the time to get out of here, pigs, to the very end. Yeah. Uh, but those have got... You've got those five of the five that I would sit and watch, uh, cold, rainy day, binge watch those five. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's worth every penny of it because, and, and, and there's different, I'm not going to say John, different ways of shooting all those, you know, the, the searchers back in the 40s or 50s, 50s, I believe it was, shot, and I'm reading a book on the background of that, you know, the, the trouble they had to go through to get that thing made. One thing you don't realize when you watch a movie is the temperature those people are at. Yeah. Cause uh, we filmed one part in the saloon. It was so hot, the camera kept overheating. We had to shoot 30 minutes and put the camera in front of the fan. Uh, we shot at the river scene, and one camera melted. <laughs> Literally melted. It's done. Uh, but, you know, searchers were shot in a certain way. John Ford had a certain... He liked to frame things. That's way different. Then you get into uh, the true grit, the, the difference in those two. Still good versus evil, but you get to that tombstone is an actual theater type movie. You watch it, and then Lonesome Dove is an epic series, and so you got six parts there. And you want to throw some more out. Open Range is another one that's really good. Read the book on Open Range, yeah. And you're like, what? What? Because the book is so different than the movie, but the movie's really good there too. So yeah, that would be six. I would have to. Oh, I'm not, saying, I'm not trying to live here. Sure, to get we can go on forever, but those six. You gotta sit down on a Saturday, rainy day, get up, get your sweats on, yeah. get plenty of Dr. Pepper's laying around, and turn the TV on. Some of the um, some of the style differences in film, um, and again, as a as a young person who uh, kind of cut my teeth on people like Tarantino, one of the things I noticed with Tarantino's films were the um, the dialogue of the characters. Mm-hmm. And then the the music that yes. went along played such a huge role in my love of his films. He seemed to be able to craft like there was just there were things in Pulp Fiction that was the first thing I saw behind where it was like it wasn't necessary for the plot, right? But it added something to the character where you 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 resonated with the character in some way exactly. because of little shifts and changes like nuance of like their dialogue. And, and we did we had. Composers trying to do the music for us, and so uh, we, I made out a questionnaire and sent it out to them. And we picked, uh, if you're familiar with Bill Evans, 
in the 60s, early 70s, a jazz pianist, 18 Emmy Award winning yeah. uh, piano player passed away when his son was just a little bitty kid. His son, Evan, answered those questions so deeply and precisely in two sentences, yeah. where others would have his whole paragraph. But you mentioned something, I asked him about with music, and he has a different tone to it. Yeah. So he develops each one, and he then he ties that into the whole movie and the whole movie theme. And he's playing some of his samples, and I'm just sitting there blowing. The uh, he called it a march. I call it a heartbeat. You know, he's got this. There's a resounding kind of a, a rhythm, and I've heard just pieces of our, our theme music, but it's got like a heartbeat march to it. Like, okay, we're going somewhere. <laughs> and then you know, there's soft parts, and there's there's uh, fighting parts, and and I tell everybody, you control everybody's emotion with the music. Yep. And you know, when the song they did that play, based in the '60s, we had awards there under the night, and the the the, uh, per the manager of the Lyric Theater said everybody wants a soundtrack to that play because she did such a good job selecting music to go with the play. And so uh, you can really bring those people's emotions down, up, make them happy, sad. And as a writer, I throw this out there. I was scared to death on that play until they cracked the first joke in every life. Mm -hmm. Because once they cracked the joke that I wrote and nobody... The emotions don't go like I want them to. But unfortunately... They went right along with yeah. it. Yeah. I think it's one of those things with, with film, um, especially when it comes to the music and you've got a composer crafting, you know, isn't it a minor key or a major key? Those nuanced elements, I think, much like the post production and editing, if it's done well, people like me don't know, notice it. Yeah. You feel it because of whatever the, the sound and vibrations are influencing your nervous system and changing. But when it's done well, unless you're a filmmaker and geeking out about that sort of thing, like you don't necessarily notice it. You just know that when you hear the Star Wars theme, That's right. see, like it makes you feel a certain way. You know? That's what I told him. I said, I want people to hear their theme music and know exactly where it came from. Yeah. You know, Lonesome Dove, you, you know exactly where it came from. Jaws, you know where it came from. Do you know the guy that played the two notes on Jaws? Do -do -do -do. When he got there to play... He got to, got up to walk out. He said, this all you got me doing is two notes? I'm not doing this. And they talked him into coming back. And this is a story I was told, coming back and playing, and there's not, not even more, fam more famous two notes yeah. than that right there. But, but yeah, you, you feel that music. And, and you really, you, once you start directing or acting, you never watch anything the same again. <laughs> but I was watching the other day, like you, and it's amazing you brought that up because you don't even realize there's music playing behind while they're talking. Yeah, you think it's just music when they're not talking to set the scene, but there's music playing when people are talking too. So you yeah. got to pull back and get those layers in there. Well, um, having cut my teeth with social media, the first video I remember making was I think with a flip cam um, and it had like a little USB port for my laptop mm -hmm. um, uh, to give you some feedback. You said your camera melted. Yeah, uh, I had some video editing software uh, I downloaded illegally. I might note. <laughs> <laughs> this is this has been eight years ago, and my laptop was so bad at that time that um, I had to stand my laptop up and blow a fan on my laptop to get it from overheating to produce this video for yeah. YouTube that was horrible, by the way. <laughs> but um, I could never add music. I, I'm a big music fan. When you said Bill mm -hmm. Evans, uh, Bill Evans did who did Bill Evans work with? Do you know offhand? Do you work no, with Miles I Davis? I don't know. I know him okay. and Clint Eastwood were good friends. Okay, yeah. I, I think uh, Bill Evans within like the jazz scene, mm -hmm. am I correct? Yeah, I'm, I'm a, I know the name. I just can't recall who he worked with. Music is something that I couldn't set to video. The only social media platforms I've seen recently, um, when I'm at the Time and Size Jam, I can play music on my phone and then make like video on Snapchat and share it out. There, it never gets flagged in any way. Um, Snapchat, it's designed to go away. It's right. not designed to be permanent. So Instagram, uh, Facebook, YouTube, copyright flags, copyright flags. I can't add music. TikTok, by the way, has got around this. And I, I'm, I'm completely <laughs> serious. Yeah, legally. Like, I don't exactly know how it works, but you as a music composer, let's say, I'm, I'm serious here when I'm talking to the camera, if you make little Western bits, mm -hmm. you can make a 15-second clip and put it on TikTok and encourage people to make a video out of your song. So you could make, you could give them a Western yeah. in 15, and they don't understand. They think, you know, it's just 15-year-old girls dancing on TikTok, and it is, but there's other components to it where... The ability to take a song and put it with my video and make a little video is this amazing 
you know, 2020 technology mm -hmm. thing that is not available on other platforms. So it's been really interesting to, I mean, not, not at a film uh, level. In other right. words, I'm not a videographer. You know, I have other people run cameras for me or do some post-production if I need it. Um, I interact and deal with Knives Monroe. He's much more a filmmaker who adapted to the technology. But we constantly have these conversations about film because I kind of – I geek out as a, a music lover and I geek out as a film lover, mm -hmm. but it's just film. It's just fun. It's just entertainment. I don't like get rabid or religious right. about it. You know, I like Kubrick, you know, but yeah. I'm not as fanatical as some people are. <laughs> I just find it interesting to see how the technology is changing and the fact to be able to be add music completely transformed oh, the yeah. way I looked at this application. And, and this talk made me think of something I did as a director. Uh, and a lot of people didn't understand why I did it until I do it. I would play like we are in a saloon to set the mood, download some saloon piano music. I said, okay, everybody wait just a minute. And I'd play that, kind of get them all in the mood. Like, oh, yeah, we're in a saloon. <laughs> and, and then turn it off. Okay, this is what we're doing. And it kind of sets that scene. And a lot of people are like, what are you doing? <laughs> Just, just trust me. This is what I want to do, you know, and, yeah. and, and it seemed to work for some. But, you know, I like doing it anyway. But I think, you know, when I'm writing, sometimes I'll play classical music. And if it's really intense music, that's when my intensity really draws that out in the screenplay. And, uh, you know, while I was working on Windows Home, I started listening to more 60s music and, and just, you know, just that develop that love affair between the, the couple. What would they be listening to at that point in yeah. time together and the soft music? And it's a story about him. He gets drafted and sent the Marines to Vietnam. As soon as he gets there, he's captured by the North Vietnamese, put in the POW camp. And it's called Windows Home because he looks out his jail cell window and she looks out her kitchen window and they see each other. Yeah. So even though they're 20,000 miles apart, but the music of the 60s is so great. Yeah. It sets so much tone. So and the so scene. It, it just really did a great job on that. It's so interesting to me because, again, music distribution. I cut my teeth in an era where, you know, I got my first album as a kid, mm -hmm. and then there was eight track briefly, and then cassette tapes, and then CDs, and then and you saw the advent of Napster and digital distribution and how it's changing music distribution it's changing a uh, film distribution digital distribution altogether i find it really interesting because well, like when i have conversations with knives he's one of the filmmakers i've had more conversations at length about this he had a hard time adapting from you know kubrick like real film in mm -hmm. a theater you know made for hollywood big production value looking at it as an art form and then going to a 15 second social media post right he had a hard you know transition with that and for me i think of it as not as as an outsider not that far of a leap mm -hmm. um I, I generally like um like i said i like people who are entrepreneurs who are living their dream i can see how excited you are i love giving you more options there you go giving That's what you technology, more technology yeah. you know to go what can we create with this? Oh, because immediately I think, you know, and this is me. I don't know how this is always done for, like, film. You know, I think about, you know, does your film have a Twitter account? Mm -hmm. Does it have, you know, an Instagram account where you're taking minute clips from the film and processing mm -hmm. them in different ways and releasing it? Like, there's so much access now that wasn't there previously. And, you know, the technology that we're using from, uh, what was it like? An, is it not an 8-track? Was it 8 Got, little, I've got yeah. one of those at home. We went from the Zapruder film. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> to, to this. this. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I remember back when I used to talk to my grandmother, I kept thinking, man, if we just had a phone where I could see her, yeah. you know, when I was talking, and I always try to crack jokes with her, you know, and all that on the phone. But now, FaceTime, all that, it's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And, you know, with the internet and everything, like we're doing this show, people in Australia can be listening to it. Yeah. Uh, you know, same thing with the movies. You know, you shoot the movie, and all of a sudden it goes worldwide with the push of a button. And so, it's all at our fingertips. You know, it's all right there. We just have to use it in the correct manners. When um when I talk with people, I always go back towards health and wellness, massage related stuff. You uh, had an accident on set. You broke your fibula. Mm -hmm. um, I have a client who works as a grip, and, I, and again, I'm not a film guy, so right. he's like, I'm a grip, and I'm like okay and he's like no man i'm a grip and i go uh what is a grip <laughs> <laughs> i grip <laughs> i see like on the, the credits the key grip the this grip you know mm -hmm. and he's like dude listen i have like an, a 90 pound camera mm -hmm. and i have to hold it and it can't move 
Exactly. And then as soon as he, he does this, I'm like, oh, I know exactly what muscles to work on. You're having some <laughs> exactly some problems because he's taxing his body. Mm-hmm. Um, being that I've not been on a film set, what do you think is most physically taxing to the people who are on set, the actors, the film people? Like, there's better equipment. You know, some cameras are on, like, a, I would say a dolly. Dollies, like yeah, wheels. and train. Uh, tracks, yeah. but it's going to be lifting more than anything. More than anything, because the PA's and everything—they're having to move everything quickly. And the PA's are for the sound. PA's are for everything you want yeah. to do. Uh, production assistants. Production assistant. Okay, I thought PA was like some other acronym. Yeah. And so, if you want this table and chair moved to the next room, they got to pick it up, move it, set it up, and get it going. And to me, the acting is the temperature. Yeah, you know, you may be in a hundred and five degree temperature, and you may have to be standing there for that long time. So you got to hydrate your body. We yeah. poured water, 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 water Physical down. Strain. Yeah. Yes, but uh, for the crew, it's moving equipment in a hurry. Everything's in fast, and picking up that ninety pound camera or holding that microphone. You know, that the boom, boom it may not be heavy, but you you've got it like this, yeah. and it can't move. It dips down, gets in the gets in the view. Cut. <laughs> Redo it. <laughs> We're good? Cool. So, uh, Bill, before we go, um, any closing thoughts? Uh, uh, watch online. Thank you so much for having me here. But uh, everybody just stay online. Watch it. We'll have it out pretty soon. Sure. Listen, thank you so much for uh, coming to uh, visit with me. It was a really nice chance to do uh, our first like in-person mm-hmm. uh, podcast. Love it. It's a little bit more formal with the setup, thanks to Trent. Um, where can people find you again online? On, uh, go to Facebook under Bill Foster. Uh, Showdown on the Brazos has a Facebook page, and I've Got Your Six has a Facebook page. We put background, background shots in there you know, of what's going on behind the scenes. Behind, And then uh, I'm also on uh, IMDb. I've got my own page, Bill Foster, and then Showdown on Brazos, IMDb, and I've got your six. You know, talk about technology. We set those pages up. I'm on Instagram, but I don't have time. One thing we talked about, you know, developing that team, yeah. and that team, I'm going to have somebody just in charge of social media yeah. so we can get more of those little clips out there and things. So that you can keep up with me there on those those places great so listen it was really really great to talk with you um if you care to do this again in the future in some form just let me know it was really great to uh, get to know you well, thank uh, today you. for the first time loved it and i thank you guys for tuning in to the podcast if you'd like to check out any of my materials um if you go to my website robertgardnerwellness.com there's training materials and time massage or subscription service that's all available in the store again at robertgardnerwellness.com uh thank you all for tuning in and i really appreciate bill foster coming out thank Thank you very much.